wizards and witches, zaddies and bitches, hello, this is the best episode of Bone Rollers Don't Cast, Don't Tell. My name is Jordan, I am going to be your bone host. I have been promoted for just this episode, you can find me on Twitter, at CuddlefishTweet. I took the big C last week, but now I have miraculously recovered, and now it's time to do a Q&A of exclusively me. Alright, let's get started. Elliot, um, please put in that whole, like, you know, that whoosh sound. It's like a vine boom, but, like, way, like, more muted. It's what we use to, like, transition to the next scene. So can you go, like, put in that sound effect right here? Oh, wow, question number one. Let's go see here. This one comes from Jenny Blaze, and it says, Do you simp for Jordan? Yes. But breaking that down a little bit further, I believe that if you Google the word simp, it refers to somebody who is foolish or, um, silly. And as much as I enjoy the process of bimbification myself, I, I think that there is this larger discussion here, right? Like, when we describe this, um, our relationship to others, especially within internet spaces, you'll find relationships that might be um, not codependent, uh, what is that word? Parasocial. You'll find a lot of relationships that are bordering parasocial. There is this, un there's this imbalance of knowledge and intimacy and experience, as on one side, a larger creator, demonstrator, or a person expressing things might be able to provide more of themselves out into the open, and it it is absorbed by just one of many filter-feeding followers. And it's almost this slang term that refers to this level of sympathy or attention as an insult. Um, this idea of submission or praise in such a unreciprocated way. But I, I also believe that this level of praise and admiration towards oneself or one's loved ones is beautiful when it's mutual. Uh, I believe it is an old tweet of mine that you'll find there's a phrase, love is mutually simping. And I stand by that. When it even goes back to the older definition of somebody who is silly or foolish, I, I think the idea of somebody that makes us feel silly or foolish, including ourselves, that level of self-aware love has a lot of value. So yes, I do some for Jordan. Alright, next question. Let's see, this next one comes from, oh, my biggest fan, big friend of the show. Uh, this one comes from Jordan Fish. It says, if Jordan were here right now, what would you tell her? Oh my god, it's Jordan from 2017, five years back. Okay, I have some crazy things to tell you. It's me, Jordan from 2022. I got hot and weird, I know. Things are... unrecognizable now. They're also beautiful and terrifying. You're going to recognize that your ability to say goodbye is powerful. And saying hello is just as powerful. And thank you. Especially that last phrase. We... Say sorry enough. Act on your kindness. Let people know that they are valued every chance you get. They deserve it. Except fascists. And known turf, Joanne Kathleen Rowling, who is a piece of shit. Allegedly, in case somebody who knows her is listening. 
Also, like, get HRT. The local Planned Parenthood gives it out like Halloween candy. Oh, in case you're, like, ever, like, stressed and yet your panic attacks again, get edibles. The gummy sours are so nummy. Like, uh, Halloween candy. You're gonna eat a lot of Halloween candy. Alright, Elliot, can you, like, put another, uh, whoosh sound right here? I think we should, like, do that after every single question or something. Um, otherwise, if you're not gonna put in that whoosh sound, at least, like, cut out this part so I don't look like the biggest fool. Which, as we learned recently, is a synonym for simp. Uh, we have this other one from Jenny that is directed at Nikki slash Raleigh, but both of those people are not here right now, so I'm gonna answer on his behalf. Also, like, this question isn't even about me. Come on now. But I suppose we'll have to let it slide. Does Raleigh break the stereotype of goblins being low int? How smart is he? So first off, I believe intelligence to be a, a, a complete illusion. I think that intelligence comes in so many forms, such as emotional, perceptive, intuitive, investigative, computative, and honestly even dexterous. I think that the athletes, martial artists, and honestly visual artists in our lives are some of the most intelligent people out there but their skills and intelligence because that's all that stuff that comes from the brain right your level of reasoning your computative reasoning and abilities and your spatial dexterity and reasoning like all that comes from the brain all of that is intelligence uh, so, like, I, I think that intelligence itself is an illusion, and the concept of a stat being called int is gross and silly to me, and that's coming from me as a teacher. Now, for specifically Raleigh, if there was this such thing as intelligence, I'd say that Raleigh has so many of them wizened beyond his years. He's smarter than the average bear, and uh, when asking how smart is he specifically, he might be one of the smartest people at the school because I believe that there is an invisible canon that we did not share as a prologue that um, off screen he ate the previous smartest person at the school and now he became that. But another thing to keep in mind is that I think the way that he is played, uh, he has, I think it was a d8, which I think the canon of the game is that's about average, but... Oh, even when you're thinking about the concept of a brain's stat that doesn't represent things like creativity or emotional intelligence, it honestly, it barely even relates to academics, which is also a completely different type of um, intelligence. I went anywhere myself from like, you know, like a 2.0 GPA to like way too many degrees, and I don't think I'm academically smart. I think that it's all like failed systems to say how good you are at doing different types of functions. So even intelligence and your um, alignment with academia are completely different concepts right here, and that just might be new to him. Uh, somebody else like Luna would probably be the smartest part of the crew, at least when it goes to, like, convention and brain stat, but, you know, other types of ways when she's, like, performing magic has times when, under pressure, it's harder to perform. So does one's, um, difficulties with performing on the spot or competing on the spot affect their levels of perceived intelligence? 
or look at somebody like Nia, who in episode one cheated by using offensive magic on the class and nobody called her out for it, but she was potent enough despite having a d4 in her brain stat. So at what level does performance and education and intelligence become perceived as the same concept? when somebody can just actively, openly cheat and have a D4 brains and still be considered a pretty good student, you know? So in that case, yes, I'd say that Raleigh is fairly intelligent, but the ways that intelligence can be standardized or measured are not things that perfectly align. Oh, and also, like, you know, fuck the whole thing of racial um, intelligence. That's, um, icky. Alright, um, Elliot, uh, can you do, like, the, uh, page flip? No, it's for Infinity City. Do the, um, do, do the, uh, the, the transition noise that is, like, the vine boom, but not. This next one comes from the wonderful Smoothie. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. What has been each of y'all's favorite spells cast on this show so far? Uh, I don't want to be that person who is always like me, 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 considering that was the first five minutes of this recording, but I do think that one specific thing that I have enjoyed is that the only things I had on my list for Nia going in were one, be bisexual and a disaster, and two, do magic in a weird and bad way that is done so poorly that it creates a subplot. And both of those things ended up happening. So, like, that's the real magic here. Um, uh, there's also the magic of friendship and uh, gay romance that I think everybody has been able to express here as well. But I think the real beauty of the magic when it goes to the spells is not the spells themselves, though partially that, but the way and reason that they are practiced and cast. So each of the three members are here cast magic using different focus items, using different methods, and have different things that they specialize in. When you'll look at somebody like Nia, a lot of hers is specializing in summoning because it's, she can always summon an extra friend, so that's really handy because there's a good time in her life where she didn't have a lot of that. And also wanting backup, and also wanting to be tougher than other people. So you'll find things of like quick getaways or quick ways to charge into things. But you'll, and then of course her focus item is a sword, because she's very much defined by her conflicts and relationships that go in the face of others. But you can also look at somebody like Luna, who's very much uh, more defensive in magic. So there is utility, the ability to get away, turn invisible, or quickly run away with just natural ability that even outruns Nia. Even if she doesn't use a horse or anything like that, there still is this ability to like teleport even beyond the school gates and things like that. There is this relationship to the flight stat, which is a really cool thing I like about Kids on brooms, that their bits of individuality can still shine through the magic that they perform best at and the ones that they choose to perform, along with, you know, any of their specializations and focus items. And admittedly, along with that, it's also, like, just fun to, like, throw out whatever spell you have in mind. I think that there's also, like, a lot of characterization, not just within the method of the magic, but the purpose of it. You'll find that Nia's is sparkly over the top and incredibly impractical, 
which is in every single way the opposite of Luna's, which is very much a basis of honestly like survival and preservation or making sure that there is magic within well lifestyle magic your prestidigitation this is practical and useful and i can see why somebody would actually learn this that's not what nia knows how to do um, but she tries her best and then lastly you'll look at somebody like raleigh which is unhinged florida energy that i absolutely and i'm sure many others also really adore there is a level of um, battling convention that is really enjoyable of one's ability to express themselves in the goofiest gosh darn ways is the magic itself and because the connection with identity and expression is such a large part of magic it's only natural that the things that make you so fucking weird and unique are what make you magical being queer is magical. I don't think that was like the best answer to like what is your favorite spell, but I think I put it into a good direction. Okay, Elliot, do the uh, vine boom. This next one comes from Connor. Do you know any magic tricks? Like even the fake kind, even the whole removable thumb thing that every grandpa tries once. Let's see. Uh, magic tricks. I know how to cook, and I consider that to be pretty close to magic. Uh, I, I have friendship, and that might be the most powerful level of magic of all. I, um, I know multiple forms of martial arts, and as we know, um, violence is the only magic more powerful than love um that and uh eldritch blast i believe is a cantrip and i think i also have true strike to make sure that my tweets are never misses um if you uh or anybody else you know in the audience is willing to give me a new pact you can send me the terms and conditions for a new warlock bargain over at my twitter again at cuttlefish tweet you can also heckle me there but i'm really looking for some new warlock bargains okay thank you connor whoosh the uh that's that's the sound of the next question uh the next question is from may denless haha <laughs> good name this one goes to nikki slash raleigh slash all of the above and I'm going to include myself in the all of the above. What advice would you give to someone who is struggling to start a podcast because they're too anxious about the results? That's a good question. Um, a lot of the podcasts that I've participated in are ones that other people have hosted or produced, but I myself am trying to make my own. Um, I'll hopefully be able to like, release it or force Elliot to like sponsor me, but my honest answer is just the way that you start anything and it's just to start it and hope that you tolerate or enjoy it to some level because if you're doing it a lot and frequently and engaged with it you're just going to become better and your 100% right now is going to be worse than your 50% later like there is this level of perfectionism that we really want to do because we want to put our best foot forward right 
but I, I think we need to put our 80% forward, not our 100%, because that 100% is impossible. As soon as you reach 90, you'll realize that there are hours and hours and hours before you hit 100, because the 100 is literally impossible. Hit your 70 or 80%, just do what you can to feel like, you know what, this is good enough, and then just put it out there, and then you'll put more out there, and it'll get better, and maybe that strong start would have been really necessary, but... This means that you can have other strong starts in the future, and the future things will be even better. Uh, very rarely will things take a step backwards of like, wow, you're so much older and wiser and so much worse at making things. That generally doesn't really happen. Just make things and be your own fan. And if it is a collaborative thing, like a podcast, um, consider having a cast that you love and a good thesis of what you're about. Um, I think that is amazing advice that I will need to be following soon. Oh, uh, and another thought, this is from Future Jordan, I just wanted to go put this in there. It's that, um, most podcast people out there are, like, just, you know, nerds on the internet. They aren't powerful deities or anything like that. Even the ones who make money or get more views, they're still just, you know, they're not gods. You can just make stuff. They're just making stuff, too. My very first time podcasting was a project called The Senshi Study, which is about like reviewing different Magical Girl projects. It was basically a ripoff of Erin Cerise's Maho profile series before she started running Super Idols. And that was like the biggest deal in the world for me. So I wanted to make my own similar thing with friends. And a lot of these other projects I had in mind just like, they didn't move forward, but I got better at producing things and editing things and communicating things over time. And now I'm in way too many projects and even with Aaron Cerise now in Road to Heaven, like it is an absolute gift. But at the same time, like it only took like, uh, you know, a couple steps and like meeting the right people or we're just putting things out there or putting self out there and things just happen. Don't be afraid of other people around you and don't be afraid of yourself or your own work. Just give your own ideas, brain and personality a hug and I think other people will probably do the same given time. All right, okay, future Jordan out. Bonus question from Maidenless. Uh, could Jesus microwave a burrito so hot that he himself could not eat it? I find this question to be really fascinating because we find it to be this, like, big question of, like, can a person who can do the impossible do another thing that's impossible? But my honest answer is no. He would burn himself on the burrito. And, and do you know why I know that? Because Jesus and his sky daddy created humanity, and there is nothing that they fear more than humanity. We are that burrito that has become so hot that we cannot be eaten by God. God. The gods themselves have tried to stop me, tried to vor me, but I am that burrito that is way too hot. I will not be stopped. Gods stay in heaven because they fear what they have created. Everybody knows that phrase, right? Well, it's true, and you know why? Because humanity here, whether it's podcasters, people of color, queer folks, those who have like stood up and chose to rebel by continuing to exist, we are the hot burritos, and let gods know that. <sighs> so basically, um... Y 
Jesus could microwave a burrito and would be able to eat the burrito, but chooses not to out of fear of the experience or pain. Yeah, yeah. Uh, thank you, Maiden. I, I think that's a good question. Thank you. This next one comes from the wonderful future Erica. What would your character's signature Pokemon be? Uh, it says here that Elliot slash GM can answer for NPCs, and this goes to all of the above. And once again, we're going to pretend that this includes me, because I l like to forcibly include myself into conversations. I think that Nia's signature Pokemon would be Golisopod, because not just a water type and being like super powerful and badass, but it's also the type that when you hit Golisopod once, it has an ability that makes it retreat immediately, and I think that's adorable and hilarious. Um, I think uh, the next one would be... Um, the uh, Gundramon, I, I, that's the uh, the dragon Digimon that is so full of guns because I think it is hilariously impractical. Uh, if Digimon are not allowed for the Pokemon answer after Golisopod, I think the other answer would be um, Dragapult, the powerful ghost dragon that fires off its own babies. I, I think... Again, this is not because Nia has a habit of firing off babies, but because there is this beautiful level of impractical nonsense to do amazing things, and that they are so impractical that they turn around to being kind of genius and work out at the, like, the worst times. So yeah, I'm gonna say Dragapult and Glycopod. Uh, just for fun, I think I'm also going to add Horsey, because it's very close to how Nia's familiar looks like. And I think while I'm at it, I'm also going to like answer on other people's behalves, just because I think that's real fun. Let's see, for Luna, I, I feel like the go-to most people would suggest would be a wolf Pokemon or a moon thing, like Lunatone or Lycanroc. I'm a big fan of Lycanroc, the... Uh, werewolf also made of rocks. I think that is amazing. Um, I I think what would be nice for her, though, is Absol, because outside of being adorable and edgy, I, I think Absol is very much that type that is beloved for everybody understanding of how misunderstood it is, and I think that's really beautiful. Um, so I, I think Absol is out there because it's the disaster Pokemon, and I also consider her to be a gay disaster. But also, you know, that whole thing about like being appreciated for being misunderstood or needing to be properly realized. Uh, for Raleigh, I think one of the most beautiful Pokemon out there would be um, Impidimp, because it has a name like Impidimp. And it is also this, like, beautiful fairy dark gremlin out there. Um, God, I'm really good at, like, knowing the new Pokemon. Um, I also think uh, Wishy-Washy, because it is impossibly... Um, it's pretty small, but actually is extremely underestimated. And Wishy-Washy becomes one of the most, like, beautiful, terrifying beasts of all time. Um, other Pokemon that probably have that similar vibe could also be, like, Morpeko or Mawile, which are other personal favorites. I, I think those other types that are, like, fairy or dark that, um, are extremely underestimated, I think are one of the best ways to describe Raleigh. 
I, I think um, all three characters over here within our staff are about the different ways that they are misunderstood. And with nearly a thousand Pokemon, I'm sure you can find different Pokemon that have a um, huge schism between their perception and their actual ability. Not that they should be defined by their ability, but you know, there, there's so much beyond what you understand about these little guys. Yeah, so Wishy-Washy, Impidimp, and uh, Absol. I, I think that works out. Uh, a bonus question, also from the wonderful future Erica. Why is everyone on this show so charming and funny? That's a good question. I think that everybody is so charming and funny, uh, probably because we're all... Um, do, do you want, like, the, the funny answer or the real one? I, I think the, like, uncomfortably real one is that I think all of us are in different ways neurodivergent or, like, anxious. So uh, comedy works as an amazing coping mechanism, and when you're too nervous to be able to interact, you're doing nothing but, like, putting a rapid process of observations and connections, and I think the ability to observe, connect, and relate to things, or try to find ways to be presentable even though mentally you're not in the best place, one of the strongest ways to do that is to adapt through comedy or charisma, which is why I think all of us are such hot people exclusively for radio, and if I'm honest, a lot of us are pretty just, like, hot people for, like, outside of radio as well. I think saying hot for radio is, like, almost a little bit insulting. We're very charming is what I meant to say. Um, the the other answer you can say is, like, haha, gay, um, we're very funny here. Let's see, this next one is from Jenny Blaze, and it goes out to Elliot slash GM, but I'm going to answer it on their behalf because I think that'll be fun. How much effort goes into making a Bone Rollers or Infinity City episode? What is the most rewarding part of the process? I think Elliot will have no problem telling you that the amount of preparation behind it um, conceptually, for, like, the actual bullet points is not a huge number, but the more important thing is establishing the tiny, pivotal homework questions within the cast and being able to communicate, like, okay, when there's a big thing that super matters or here's the heads up of what might be going on, uh, what is the best way we want to collaborate with that? And I, I think the actual effort is just making sure things are organized with each other. Uh, as I'm going to pretend to speak on their behalf. Uh, and for what is the most rewarding part of the process, it's that um, Elliot gets to hear my voice on so many tabletop RPGs, even the ones outside of like the three within these productions here, because like we also play other games together. I think Nikki even like mentioned Animon before as well. So Elliot gets to hear my voice more than anybody else's for RPGs, because Elliot's forced to hear my voice during the recording, but also after it because of editing. And because of like the double amount of Jordan exposure and the amount that I show up in different projects, that is the greatest gift I can ever provide anybody. And Elliot is so impossibly blessed. Because like not only is there's the recording, because you guys are hearing the recording too, but Elliot gets to hear the absolute garbage that comes out like that is edited out as well, because it is just too, um, I don't want to use the word unhinged, because I feel very hinged. Things that are so goofy and tangential, and probably are just absolute comedy gold, but audio poison. 
is, is the best way to describe it. So I'm going to use this like time to self-grandize for just a little bit because I know this was like meant for Elliot and not for me. So I'm not bitter about that. But um, uh, Elliot, can you like do the page turn again? Shit. Uh, Vine boom. That one. Yeah. Transition to the next question. Um, this one goes to Raleigh's biggest, this one is, sorry, this one is from, uh, Boat de, I, I think, um, Raleigh's biggest fan. This one goes out to Nikki slash Raleigh slash Elliot slash GM, but those four people are not here right now in the room where I am right now as far as I know of. So, who is secretly the most powerful magic user at the school, and why is it Raleigh? The secretly most powerful magic user at the school actually is Raleigh, but the answer behind that is that there is a secret unaired prologue episode where Raleigh actually ate the most powerful magic user at the school and therefore became it, because I think that's the way that magic works. Um, I think I used that statement for intelligence. There's a lot of off-screen eating that didn't make it. It's part of like the whole red cap thing, but we're really proud of him. I think he did such a good job, and I'm sad that that, uh, that prologue never got to air. Um, I really hope that this, like, a cannibalism mukbang will be able to, like, air eventually, but you're just gonna have to take my word for it. Um, the other secretly most powerful magic users at the school, um, have not shown up yet. Uh, during season five of Don't Cast, Don't Tell, which I think will be season 11 of Bone Rollers about, I'm just approximating right now, there will be a character out there uh, who goes by, I don't think I can say it right now, but you're just gonna have to stay tuned during season five. Just, just hang in there, but it will be revealed of who other than Raleigh is, like, the rival as the most powerful magic user in the school, and I can't wait for all of you to be able to hear it. Uh, is that all the questions? Oh no, did we run out of questions? Do I have to make up my own questions now? Oh no. Okay, I'm sure there's, like, another question around here somewhere, just give me a sec. I mean, I made it to the half-hour mark. I, I feel like for a solo, that's not bad, considering their original magical LGBT Q&A was like a whole hour, so a half an hour solo is not bad. I, I think I'll just have to close it here then. Oh dear. Um, I hope we get a Q&A season two. That'd be really wonderful. Uh, get some new fanfics ready by then. Everybody submit your OCs for our worlds here. And your OC fanfics, or your eight you fanfics? I'd be a big fan of any of those over there. Uh, fan art would actually make me cry on the spot. My birthday is September 14th, which is, like, not around the corner, but, you know, like, it, that's enough time for, like, you to prepare some stuff for me. A anything, whether it is, like, the worst fanfic you've ever written, or some fan art that you actually really love, any of that's super appreciated, and it'll make everybody else here cry as well. Oh god, I've never needed to sign it out here before. I guess I'll just say, uh, Wizards and witches, warlocks and liches. Thank you so much. Y'all are magical. Alright, good night. <laughs>